You are listening to the Boss Business of Surgery series, episode 54. Today, I'm talking with Dr. Christine Seaworth, and we talked about opening up a surgery center in the time of COVID. She has excellent information on what it's like to have a surgery center, some of the pitfalls and the benefits. For more information on the Boss Business of Surgery series, including the podcast episode guide, as well as coaching, go to bosssurgery.com. Welcome, surgeons. Residency didn't teach us everything we needed to learn to be a successful surgeon. While we spent our time caring for patients and learning how to operate, we didn't learn how to advocate for ourselves or navigate our career. I'm your host, Dr. Amy Vertries. I'm a general surgeon, certified coach, and founder of the Boss Business of Surgery series. This is where you'll learn those lessons not taught in residency. Welcome back. I have a very special guest. This is Dr. Christine Seaworth. She is an orthopedic surgeon specializing in foot and ankle in, in Knoxville. And we've known each other, you know, virtually for a while now, um, interacting in different ways. And, you know, we've shared a lot of our uh, individual thoughts on things like surgery centers and physicians assistants and nurse practitioners and changing the way we uh, think about our practice. And she's got some incredible insights. I'm so excited about this. And so Dr. Seaworth, tell me a little bit about yourself. Take us through the pathway of where you ended up where you're at. Well, I've been in Knoxville, Tennessee for almost 10 years now. I grew up in San Antonio, Texas. My parents were in the military and both physicians. My dad, uh, interventional cardiology, and he's been retired for a few years. And my mother, uh, infectious disease, specializing in uh, drug resistance, uh, tuberculosis, working for the state of Texas and the CDC. So both were extremely passionate. I grew up going to the hospital my entire life. And always thought I'd probably be some type of physician. I played soccer extensively growing up and had lots of injuries, spent time with orthopedic surgeons. And the other thing that also runs in my family are engineers. Um, so I loved engineering and building and uh, went to Tulane uh, University for undergrad and did civil engineering and did a little bit of work as an engineer for a couple of years before coming back to medicine and uh, went to medical school at University of Texas at Houston and went into orthopedic residency to kind of um, go off of both my skills, the engineering and the medicine part and previous history of lots of orthopedic injuries and surgeries, and did my residency at LSU in New Orleans. When I finished up, I uh, went to Manhattan in New York City and did a fellowship in the, just the foot and the ankle at Hospital for Special Surgery, which is in uh, the Upper East Side and affiliated with Cornell uh, University there. Then I came down to Knoxville and I'm in a mostly private practice with some academic backgrounds. We do teach the uh, family and internal medicine uh, residents as well as the non-operative sports medicine family practice residents there. But we do a very busy private practice and um, uh, also work at a very large trauma center in the top five to 10% of the country. So I also take a lot of uh, uh trauma call blunt. And as just time goes on, there's more penetrating trauma as well in this area. So loving Knoxville, Tennessee, it's beautiful near the Appalachia. So we definitely have some um, problems with uh, access to healthcare, but we also have a lot of very high-end uh, companies in this area. So wide extremes of how healthcare is delivered here locally. I think that's why it's important to hear someone's story because it's so obvious why you have such a curiosity and such a wide ranging knowledge of, of different ways of going about things based on your wide 
experiences and your different locations and your family's experience. And so it's, it's no wonder that you know a lot of, you know, really interesting things. And so take us through this, um, you're developing this surgery center. So I know that you're, um, you invested in a surgery center that's in Knoxville and take us through what that has been like and, you know, some of the challenges and what you're looking for in that. So part of the, you know, with our group is that um, we're extremely busy group and our COO for our overall organization that we belong to, which is four orthopedic groups in one said that he chose to work with orthopedic surgeons. And that's a favorite because they know we're workhorses. So uh, we're all working and we all, (laughs) we work pretty hard and we want to be efficient at what we do, but we also want to be smart about what we do. And just as healthcare and reimbursement and insurances changes, we had to get a lot smarter. Uh, The other big portion of our group sister group had a surgery center that, which allowed them to be extremely efficient, provide excellent care, and also to develop a higher ancillary income for their private practice. And while we have a good relationship with our university where we have our own orthopedic portion of the OR with six ORs, our own nurses, our own scrub techs, our own orderlies, we are still held down by the system. Like, you know, when the recovery room gets full, we're put on delay. Um, And so we can't be as efficient as we'd like to be. And also just hire healthcare hosts at a university system in general. So we wanted to be able to provide that to the insurance plans and to our primary care providers around town where it's important that their patients go to um, centers that can provide lower cost of care. So it all began back in about 2016 or 2017. So five years ago, we started working on this plan with the university and just due to the size, we needed to have some, uh, still maintain a relationship with the university and also where we wanted to put it was on land for the University of Tennessee um, educational undergrad system. So um, the plans were drawn up initially, kind of one of the big things you have to do is find land first, where it's going to go. Our sister organization, because of that, there was a uh, radius of non-compete area because some of those surgeons will be coming over as well. So that somewhat limited it, but luckily there was a beautiful piece of property right across the um, highway from the med center on the river and in a large area, they've been trying to develop into more of a research park. So we uh, went and underwent uh, with the hospital and the university system coming up with a plan and hired uh, architects to come up with uh, plans for that as well. And we also had to take into account that there was going to be a big highway change that's still coming that's five years delayed or so. So, you know, drawing our plans in to fit with that. Then um, also with the hospital, there are groups that will invest in developing surgery centers. And luckily, one of my partner's mother-in-law developed surgery centers for a living. So he was able to bring in a lot of knowledge. Our group went around and looked at different surgery centers, different private practices uh, around the country, mostly in the Southeast area near us. And we had to look at how we wanted our clinic to flow. So that was one thing, looking at our new clinic design. We have a stage on stage off system where all the uh, doctors and assistants are in the middle of a pod and all the patients are around it. So they don't see our, you know, our computers and mess and they're not walking past us. So they come in one door and we come in another door for the room. And then also the surgery center, we have seven ORs with room develop an eighth and we have five open now that we got to, and just, you know, hiring the architects to build. Then we had to find the contractors, which took quite some time as well. And then we, had the, had the ground and we broke ground and they got to work right away. And that was in fall of 2019. So then COVID hit, there were some delays. It was 
put on hold for a little while, but not for very long for about three months. And they ramped right back up and it's really been moving along steadily ever since until the spring where we had some issues with the local electrical company having employees with COVID. So that slowed down them hooking into our building. And then also some problems with uh, getting some equipment for technology, mostly um, some electrical boards, but otherwise we've been able to move pretty uh, efficiently ahead. That's fantastic. I mean, opening up a surgery center in a pandemic is pretty uh, amazing. Um, and your path is, has been so interesting. And I know you've also mentioned you have to consider some of the environmental impacts and the regulations of a surgery center. So what were some of the challenges that you had run into there? Well, obviously, it's very scary because we went down this road for this $30 million building. And then the, you know, COVID hit, and we were putting our employees on furlough, and we cut all our salaries down to 25% of normal. I mean, it was a big, it was a big deal. So, but even, you know, where we're at, um, we are required to have research in our building. So the third floor of our building is going to be research. Um, one of the things that was problem is figuring out who was going to go up there. We do some research, but not a lot being in private practice. Um, we do teach, you know, um, non-operative, um, but we don't do a lot of research because we're more private than academic. So courting different people, um, we've had people come in and out and we actually had somebody pull out right as the building was opening. So now we're redoing that too. We may have to redo the third floor, but other issues too, is because we're on a research part meant for, uh, research and for the university of Tennessee system, not the health system. It, it was actually from an old dairy farm and designed to be very environmentally, uh, low impact. It also sits right across the river from a very high end neighborhood, and um, all the design has to be approved and um, be also good looking to the eye <laughs> as well. So we even just with our toilets had to have something signed off in Nashville. We had to get a special agreement because they're required to have low flush toilets in our area and you can't have those in the medical facility. So even simple, some things that seem so simple were not so simple. Right. And I know that the insurance also provide a little bit of challenge too. And I think a lot of people don't recognize that if you have surgery in a surgery center versus a hospital, that is a different, you know, pre-authorization and pre-approval and different credentialing agreements that have to be had. And what were some of the challenges that you ran into with insurance or still running? Yeah, into? we're still having some. So our doors open for the clinic portion, um, which we had to stagger a little bit because of the electrical boards being delayed. So the clinic opened at the beginning of June. And then our surgery center opened at the beginning of July, and it, it, it was about three months delayed overall. But basically, you have to open your surgery center and have it staffed and then just sit there. So you open your surgery center, then you have to wait for the health departments to come in and give your inspection. And then once they do that, then you can start working with the private insurers. Blue Cross Blue Shield came on very quickly, and we were able to start doing Blue Cross Blue Shield, you know, within a month of opening, which was great um, because they re recognized that their patients are getting lower cost and great care at the surgery center compared to a big uh, hospital health system. But for more Medicare CMS, they have to have you do 10 surgeries. You collect all the data, you submit reports, and then they do a surprise visit. Um, there was actually an issue because when we initially filed for um, our necessary of need for the surgery center to be allowed to build it with the state, we didn't have a name for the facility yet. And when we filed our report with the 10 cases, nothing happened. And so then somebody finally figured out it was because we now have a name for our surgery center and we didn't have one back then and it didn't match up. So then we had to resubmit and that delayed us an extra month. 
So they finally came in, they approved us. Um, but now we're just waiting for Medicare to give us a number, even though we've we're approved until Medicare gives us a Medicare number for our facility, we can't start with Medicare and Medicaid. So basically you open these surgery centers and they sit around for a while. Also some of the private insurers like Cigna and United can be very slow to come along as well for whatever reason. And uh, so we're just, I think our next big one we'll, we'll get will be Medicare, Medicaid. It's interesting because you expect like, I'll just build it and they'll come, but it's yes. not quite so simple. <laughs> it's not. Now we have this beautiful building and it's like, it's a billboard and it's on the side of the highway and everybody's been watching it. And I will say, as soon as it opened, our urgent care, people are like, oh, I saw your building. I'm coming in. Um, so it gave us better access because we have better parking compared to being in the med center. So patients love that. It's on a prettier facility uh, and it's beautiful and relaxing. So, but literally we did open it and some patients did start coming, but it's not so simple with the surgery center. Right. And what are the advantages of the surgery center? I know you mentioned, you know, better access to parking um, and, you know, maybe quicker access. Uh, what are some of the other advantages of a surgery center? So there's several for the patients and for the surgeon, uh, and also really for the insurance companies as well. For the patient, um, a lot of times it's at a place that's the same places where they go to clinics, so they feel familiarity. Um, all their surgeons, you know, are right there, right nearby. Um, there, it's a smaller uh, facility. You're not trying to get through all the hallways, and you, it's very easy to figure out where you go. So I think that makes it more calm and easy for them on a stressful day. For surgeons. Um, the surgery center is run by our staff and our employees, not the hospital employees. So they want to work with us and we get to pick who's there. Every single person that's working in our surgery center wants to be there, is excited to be there. And especially right now with staffing so low and morale is so low everywhere else, our employees are fired up to be working with us and with our patients. And it's fabulous. And it just, everybody's helping each other and everything just flows so much more quickly. Our turnover times are less than 10 minutes um, compared to day surgery or the main being 30 to 45 to 60. There's no recovery room holds. There's, there's none of that. We're in charge of all the flow of that. So if there's something wrong, we identify it and we fix it. And that makes it better for the surgeons, provides us ancillaries. And for the surgery, you know, for the insurance companies, it's a lower cost. So I think it's a win-win for really everybody except probably the hospital systems because they are losing a lot of surgery. And I think that's a really great point. Um, I remember uh, using the surgery center myself and it's such, it's just a mission. It's a mission to get people in and out and give good care and make it quickly. Um, and, you know, there's obviously patient selection because they have to be appropriate for the surgery center. Right. And so you're really sorting out for these, you know, ASA one and twos and, and simpler surgeries and you maybe, you know, higher ASAs with a simple surgery, but it really gets people in and out um, quickly and efficiently and everyone buys into the mission and it, it can be really effective. Very effective. Um, you know, with being in East Tennessee, um, I did have somebody recently that wasn't approved because their BMI was 51 and it has to be less than 50. So little things like that do come up. But uh, we also um, hired the anesthesia group that is the private practice anesthesia group for the university. And they are used to dealing with a lot of really sick people all the time. And so they're able to kind of come over and very easily, you know, they're not used to just easy cases. They're used to the hard cases. So they're able, we feel extremely comfortable providing really good care with anesthesia as well. It must be a nice break for them for sure. Well, they're excited too, because being in private practice, they're having to, just like we are finding ways to maneuver and be more nimble and expand. So for this, it was really an opportunity for them. 
to stay independent, not be hospital owned, uh, not be private equity owned, which is a big deal right now too. And I mean, I think really just looking at the cost, I mean, there's the financial aspect, but the time as well. I mean, we all want to be able to do more in a day and Mm -hmm. really cut down a lot of the things that are not really worth our time. And it seems like this is a really great opportunity to do that. Yes, there's actually a good example. It just happened. I had two patients walked in and suddenly there's, I have this huge backlog and I don't really understand, like I'm booked like two months out. And usually this time of year, I'm booked four weeks out. And so for people that come in and that are hurt, it's been a big struggle trying to figure out where to get them on the schedule without canceling somebody that booked two months ago. And I recently had two people come in that were pretty, you know, badly hurt and needed to go. And I had a Friday clinic in the morning so I actually came in and did a surgery at 7 a.m. And I pushed back my start a little bit and um, did another one uh, at the late morning before I had surgery time at the main hospital in the afternoon. And then the other thing I did is also um, some of my patients that um, were kind of a lower acuity follow-up, I moved them to my PA schedule. And so we all kind of kind of just worked really hard to provide everybody the care they needed. And I was able to, instead of do four surgeries in a day, I was able to do four surgeries and a clinic in a way I never would have been able to before. Um, other people that come in, sometimes I, they'll, they'll let me, I'm able to just get people in in a way I couldn't before, which is being able to provide faster, better care. And what do you think the disadvantages are for a surgery center? Um, You know, I can list one myself um, as you're thinking that, uh, I mean, we do have to be mindful of the fact that this is a surgery center. We can't really have, um, you know, the the selection of patients go wrong where we have someone who's at higher acuity because, you know, especially if you pack a whole efficient day and someone Mm -hmm. is ill and takes more time, that'll certainly train wreck your entire day and, you know, potentially put patients and at risk too. So what are some of the disadvantages you see of a surgery center? So if somebody is having a harder time after surgery, so say something like intractable nausea, they have to be out of there before midnight, I think. So we'd have to transfer them over to the hospital. So I think in overall though, that's not a lot different than if they were supposed to go home and they end up staying Other, some disadvantages would be that if patients aren't, you know, cost goes up, we have to hire our nurses to work overtime. Um, One of the things I think is harder in the beginning as a surgeon too, is that you have to think about your own cost. You can't just use the fancy new equipment because it's shiny. It really has to have a reason to be better. And we do do surgeries that operate at a loss for us because we know if we bring, you know, five surgeries over that day, if four are winners and one's a loss, that's fine but you have to be really careful that you're not just using something because it's cool. You know, you want to make sure it's actually better for the patient, uh, going to the, uh, reps and having hard conversations with them about like, Hey, this is too expensive. You need to work on this and getting them to come down in pricing too, as well. So that, and just being a little bit more flexible on what you use. Um, I've been able to come up with some really good solutions that, work really well for the patients, but also are very cost conscious for the surgery center too. What a great point, because I remember reading an article about hernias and they said that, you know, when the surgeons were uh, aware of how much things cost, they stopped dropping some of the things that, you know, were, oh, this is kind of nice, but maybe I don't really necessarily need it. Um, And it's a great option for us to be involved and be aware of this. So we could know exactly the cost of the system just in general. Yeah. There's all kinds of things that cost a lot of money that you would never think cost a lot of money. Um, our hospital actually sends all the 
surgeons a email every week with your surgery cases and they send you a list of the costs. Now, I don't know if that's list costs or the discounted price. I don't know, but sometimes a drill um, can be three or $400. And that didn't used to be the case. And implant companies, when they come up with new systems, they find a way to make you have to use three or four different drills that are one time, you know, you know, to ask, well, how much does this plate cost? But you don't think about the drills and the other parts um, that really add up really quickly. I continue my conversation with Dr. Seaworth on episode 55, where we talk about physicians' assistants and nurse practitioners. For more information about the Boss Business of Surgery series, go to bosssurgery.com.